1: Welcome, everyone, to midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbard, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Friday Eve. Heck yeah! A bit crisp out there this morning again, as we approach the end of November. When are we gonna set the clocks? next weekend right yeah I want to say
2: that is the 6th I think that's right I think that's right you gotta
1: set them back to standard time
2: yeah 2 a.m. on Sunday November 6th okay so we uh, so if you're awake at 2 a.m. you get to live 2 a.m. all over
1: again fall backwards right <laughs> So, Elon Musk, looks like, is going to go ahead and acquire Twitter. If you haven't seen it, folks, he entered the Twitter headquarters yesterday carrying a sink, literally.
2: Which is in reference to a popular Twitter troll, because on Twitter you can set your tweet as sensitive Ah. Which means it will censor it, and you have to click a little thing to show the picture. Uh Otherwise, it's just blurred out. Okay, And you'll have people that will make a snarky comment to something like, ooh, let that sink in, and then have a picture that's covered, so you're like, well, what is the picture? Ah. And then it's a picture of a doorway with a sink. (laughs) So he let that sink
1: in. Okay. You've definitely taught me something I had no idea. It's that people sounds that pretty are perpetually complicated. online, uh, okay. like Elon Musk. Uh, well, he tweeted, entering Twitter headquarters, let that sink in. And Bingo. he was he was recorded on video, walking into the headquarters, carrying a garden variety <laughs> household sink, as in like a bathroom sink, is what it looks like to me. Uh, but it looks like he's going through. He changed his Twitter bio to Chief Twit, by the way. I think from a financial perspective, this is a bad move. This is not a very good company, from for, strictly from a business perspective. They, uh, Probably
2: will be a little bit leaner when he gets rid of 75% of the
1: workforce. That's what he said. Of course, was it you that sent me the list of demands from <laughs> the Twitter employees? They don't get it, do they? No. Clearly. that's. I'm telling you, it's the incumbency. I'm entitled to work here, and I'm entitled to set the HR policies. I'm going to tell you what you're going to pay me, when I'm going to come in or not, what I'm going to do, what my benefits are going to be.
2: You'd think they would have learned from the crazy person that tried to bust into the meeting at Netflix to argue about Dave Chappelle. It's true.
1: I forgot about that. The tail doesn't wag the dog. Correct. And we're starting to see little glimmers of hope where the light is being shined on this nonsense. On the program today, in the next segment, Congressman Trent Kelly. He, of course, represents Mississippi's first congressional district. He'll talk about his run for reelection. That's coming up in less than two weeks. Hard to believe. At 11.05, Dr. Catherine Philippi, a pediatrician with Trust Care Kids... She will discuss the rise in RSV cases across the United States and tell parents what they should be looking for with respect to RSV versus the common cold, or uh, what strains we're seeing show up in the hospitals across the Magnolia State. So, should be a good program. I think we got more candidates scheduled over the next few days, right, to join us on the program and on the Gallo Show. That would be because we are a week and a few days out from the midterms. And uh, the races are just beyond intriguing. Now, yesterday, we focused somewhat on the, uh, the race in Pennsylvania, key race, Senate race, between Dr. Mehmet Oz, Republican, and the crazy man, John Fetterman, and, and I say that because, not because of his stroke situation, because of his policies, which are crazy, honestly. And uh, so that, that's in focus. The other that are in focus are these uh, gubernatorial races in the deep blue states, in particular New York. Man, isn't that something? You talk about a bombshell shot heard round the world. That's what would happen if Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin defeats incumbent governor. Of course, she arose to that position as a result of the resignation of Cuomo, the disgraced Cuomo. Anyhow, Democrat, who, by the way, in the debate the same night as the Fetterman debate Tuesday, Asked about crime. She never really said, yeah, I'm for locking up people who commit crime. She just ain't getting it. Said the state of New York, the city of uh, New York, are among the safest in the world. I don't think people think that. And you're hearing that from people who normally never really gave much thought to crime. Never witnessed it. Just It was kind of rare. It's not anymore. And that's because of these woke policies. These DAs, who as soon as law enforcement arrests them, they just—they're back on the street doing it more. Oh gosh! In the meantime, yesterday, the uh, the president admitted with Thanksgiving around the corner. If if Rhino's got this teed up for us, this is disturbing. Listen to this:
3: Putin's war has impose an awful lot of strains on Europe and the rest of the world and the United States. Everything from him blocking grain shipments to oil. And, um, and they want to know, what are we doing? And uh, there's a lot going on that we're doing. And they add, it adds up. And what I'm going to be coming back to you with is an example. I don't know if I'm going to do it from a podium or a release. But take an average family and who's going to go visit their mother or father for Thanksgiving. What, what's, what's the charge if they're going to come home from school? I mean, there's a lot of money. These are billions of dollars. It doesn't add up to billions for the individual, but adds up to two, three, four hundred bucks for average families.
1: What in the wide world of sports is that guy talking about? Somebody enlighten me. I can't figure it out. That was I was just mumbo jumbo, which isn't unusual with this president. What was he talking about? I I couldn't tell. But have no fear, this president will save it for uh the sound for the segment after our discussion with Congressman Kelly, but he got a plan to combat this inflation. If you hadn't heard this, folks, and that is once again, to interfere in the market, to insert government right in the middle of the private sector, issuing all sorts of goofy executive orders to target so-called junk fees. You may not like junk fees, such as overdraft fees, such as additional costs you pay for more room, leg room in a seat on a, on a commercial aircraft, such as maybe some early termination fees, if you switch, say, Internet service providers. You may not like those, but let the market figure that out. The government inserting themselves into that? No, that's the most egregious form of central planning socialism which is what they covet. No, I can run an airline better than those airline people can, says Joe Biden and the Democrats. I can run an Internet service provider, a commercial bank. The other problem, Rhino, is this clearly illustrates he and the Democrats do not understand the concept or the root causes of inflation. Even if they successfully outlaw so-called junk fees. Junk fees aren't inflation. Junk fees existed before he got into office. The 8.3% average annual inflation that we are experiencing didn't happen because junk fees just got interested. That's not inflation. They don't understand the basic economic concepts. You got too many dollars chasing too few goods. Any first-year economics student understands that. This guy doesn't understand what a first-year economics student does. He may not understand what a first-grader does when it comes to basic fundamental economics. Outlawing junk fees doesn't address inflation. It's stupid. So, okay, what then happens? They just get you somewhere else. It's a stream of revenue. Stay out, government. The market will figure it out. Don't write bad checks. You got no problem. We're coming right back with Congressman Trent Kelly. Stay with us. Well, well, well.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. Twice. On Super Talk Mississippi. On. Let's go.
1: Back in the Element Well Studios midday, Super Talk Mississippi joining us now, Congressman Trent Kelly. He represents Mississippi's first district. Good morning, there, Congressman. Thanks for coming on. Good to see you.
4: Good morning, Gerard. How are you today?
1: Doing fantastic. So hard to believe, but it's rolling around again as it does for the U.S. House of Representatives, and that is its election time. Less than two weeks out. Give us an update uh, on the campaign, sir.
4: Well, we've been all over the district. We've been to farms, small businesses, everywhere throughout all 21 counties that we're in. Actually, a few more counties that even we don't all have. And we just want folks to go out and vote. This is the most important election of our lifetime. I, I just feel like if, if we don't turn this tide this time, I'm not sure there's any coming back from what this president and this administration and this crazy House and Senate is doing right now.
1: You know, we were just talking, uh, Congressman, in the last segment, opening up the program today, about Joe Biden uh, just kind of randomly deciding to target so-called junk fees. That's that's his solution to combating inflation. It, it just seems like either dropping money out of helicopters with all these giveaways or instituting price controls and interfering in the, in the private sector seems to be the approach of the Democrats here. I, how do we get government the heck out of the way?
4: Listen, this guy, uh, should, should I lean in and whisper to make this more effective when I talk like he does? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But, you know, I was listening yesterday when he started talking about it, and I had to turn it off because it just makes me so angry. But he's talking about uh, uh, the, the fees uh, for overdraft fees. Right. And he said, if you call your bank and check your balance, regardless that you've written checks today, you should know that those are going to clear so if it – You know, you know, it's the bank's responsibility, Uh, man. This guy is they do not understand basic laws of economics. They don't understand what's causing inflation and everything they do only makes it worse. And we're paying the price.
1: Indeed, uh, I agree. So do you feel like, I'll just tell you, for all disclosure, I do, before I tell you this, but what can we do to get the President of the United States just to go before the nation and the world and say, look, I'm calling off the dogs on the fossil fuels industry. I'm calling on our industry, the domestic fossil fuels industry, to go drill. We're going to issue these permits to go explore and produce oil and produce more fuel, that's the way to target and truly abate inflation. He won't do
4: it no, he, he caused this and he's not gonna do that. They are so he is so indebted to the left, to the AOCs and being green and all those things. He intentionally tanked our oil and gas market. He's intentionally trying to put them out of business. He's intentionally trying to – they don't understand electricity, the majority of it. it. doesn't come from solar and wind. It comes from fossil fuels and nuclear. But he's intentionally just tanked this market. Now he's wanting to buy from uh, the Saudis, you know, turned him down, Venezuela, Iran. He doesn't care where. He's just – listen, these guys do not understand basic economics. They don't understand what they're doing. All they want to do is make us all be the same and all have equal results. Listen, equality is not equal results. Equality is equal opportunity, but they want equal results.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. Amen. So, all right, let's say then, uh, sir, that uh, the Republicans are successful and they're able to take over the House, and uh, I think uh, it's looking better that we may take control of the Senate, but we still got the third leg there in the lawmaking process, that being the executive branch. What can we get done?
4: If, if we get the House and the Senate both, about all we can do is stop some of these crazy appointments he's doing on the Senate side. Yeah. And then on the House side, we can pass stuff that at least makes some sense uh, with the threat of a veto. But we can at least challenge every one of these stupid executive orders. I mean, you know, he's a lot like Fetterman. Listen, the guy doesn't want to be on TV unless he's got a teleprompter because you cannot trust them. The Other people are running the show. I don't know who they are, but listen— I don't have to have a teleprompter. I don't have one right now telling me what to say or what to do. And all we can do is put the brakes on it and maybe get some investigations into some of the corruption that these guys are doing.
1: Yeah. What do you think about uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Congressman? Do you feel like he's kind of the shoe-in to be the Speaker of the House if the Republicans take control?
4: Listen, that stuff is, that, that's politics worse than the Mississippi Army National Guard. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> or the Mississippi Highway Patrol, that's like high-level politics. I like Kevin. He's a friend. I think he's the right guy. Yeah. But if you want me to prognosticate whether or not that's going to be an easy go, I can't tell you that. Listen, when when you get in those internal politics of those things, uh, you're going to have people come in and stuff comes up. But uh, Kevin's a strong leader. He's got a great plan and his commitment to America. He's worked really hard to get us the majority, and I hope he'll be rewarded for his hard work and his good plan.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about the commitment to America? I've, I've read that. I, I'm quite sure you have as well. Do you feel like it's uh, a pretty good plan?
4: No, it's a great plan. Listen, Newt Gingrich was with us when we rolled it out. He yeah. said, you guys put a lot more, and he actually helped us work on it. But uh, it, it not only addresses what the issues are, It gives us ways that we can we can make those issues uh, get better. I I think it's a great plan. It was not just Kevin McCarthy and Newt Gingrich. We had working groups throughout Congress of which I was a part of several. Michael Guest and Stephen Palazzo were part of those. And listen, it it is a plan to get us back on track. But the main thing we got to do is this president. Oh my goodness, we have got uh, this guy does not get basic mathematics.
1: Totally agree. So, speaking of that, uh, uh, we've got this out of control uh, deficits, which the president's bragging about reducing after he's the one that, that uh, boosted them significantly with this ridiculous, reckless spending. So, he just doesn't repeat that in year two and then takes a victory lap, which is so disingenuous. But we got this debt, and Kevin McCarthy. Ah, uh, should he uh, rise to be the speaker? He's actually said we're going to have to have a a hard look at just this kind of rubber stamp raising of the debt ceiling and passing these continuing resolutions. And of course, the left is saying they're going to shut down your Social Security and your Medicare, which is not the truth. We got to start and have we got to stop and and have a serious conversation about this reckless spending and this out of control debt. Do we not, sir?
4: We do, and I think one of the things we've got to do is, uh, you know, we always talk about the discretionary spending, which is only about a third or right. less of all the spending. We've got to get all these things off autopilot all this mandatory spending we need to take it out of mandatory spending we need to each year people have to justify what they spend you know we do well what we measure and right now all that mandatory spending which is over two-thirds of the budget we're not measuring that at all which means it's just on a, we're funding programs that aren't even there and these administrative agencies that just keep getting larger and larger and listen they answer to no one and so we need elected officials answering not some administrative agencies some appointee who has never been on a ballot
1: no doubt about it i totally agree and we've explained that as well uh on the program thank you for pointing that out clarifying that and so uh, leader mccarthy and other republicans have simply said even on the senate side ron johnson um, uh, Rick Scott, Florida, have said, yeah, we got to take a hard look at this. It doesn't mean we want to kill the programs. In fact, we want to preserve them and make sure they're there. They're not really solvent, technically, at this point. And the left comes out and says, oh, you want to cut and get rid of Social Security and Medicare? No, we're trying to preserve it. I, why can't we just have a meaningful and, and frank, truthful debate about that?
4: Well, they're the party of lies. First of all, everything that has been done good for Social Security and Medicare has been done right by Republicans. It has not been done by Democrats. They are the ones who want to cut it. But it's just like they're now trying to say we're the ones who said defund the police. Listen, we weren't the ones having riots in the street. We weren't the ones burning Portland. But these guys try to turn everything. They just say whatever they can to get elected, and they keep lying.
1: Yeah, On a personal basis, Congressman, do you have some immediate plans or priorities uh, should uh, the Republicans flip the House that you're going to pursue?
4: Well, you know, first of all, I'm on intel. So uh, on the counter-intel side of the FBI, we're going to get into some of their uh, upper level. Listen, our men and women in the FBI at the lower levels are great people. They're great men and women who serve this country. But the upper levels, they are crooked and corrupt. And we're going to go after those. We're going to get some oversight on those guys. And they're not going to just investigate Republicans. I, I am so sick of their corruptness. You know, we can't even get the report on the baseball shooting that happened in 2017, of which I was a part of, because we are uh, it's an ongoing investigation. You tell me how an investigation where the guy's dead, there is no investigation. They mm. killed that son of a gun that day. Yep. And we still can't see the report because it's more of their cover-up. So we're going to do a whole lot of oversight is what I'm looking at today.
1: Good. It's such a ridiculous double standard. I think people are tired of it. I know I am. I'm, I'm sure your constituents are as well.
4: Oh, they absolutely are. We've been throughout. And listen, I'll tell you what they're most sick of right now, though. Is the high gas prices, the yeah, high grocery sure. prices, uh, their wages are going down. And listen, every family in America is paying six to eight thousand dollars a year more. This is just a redistribution of wealth by Joe Biden, and it's intentional.
1: So his plan is, let me go cut some junk fees. That's just ridiculous, Congressman. Thank you so much for joining us, sir, and uh, good luck uh, Tuesday next.
4: All right, thank you. Everybody, go out and vote. Thanks.
1: Appreciate it. We're coming right back on Middays from the Element Well Studios.
0: Days with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. <laughs> on. Super Talk Mississippi. Who
3: draws the crowd and plays so loud? Baby, it's the guitar man. Steal the show, you know, baby, it's the
2: guitar man He can make you love He can make you cry He will bring you down And he'll get you high
1: Something Welcome back, everyone. Midday Talk Mississippi in the Element Well Studios. That would be David Gates and Bread. That's my favorite song by them, by the way. Really? Yeah. I saw them perform live at the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson, 1972, I believe. Quite the performance. That's one of them deals where your parents would actually drop you off to go to a concert in the Coliseum and not worry about you. I wonder if that happens today. You think so? Unaccompanied? I mean, I was, what, 13, 14? Yeah, for some concerts,
2: I would imagine that still
1: happens. Well, this one was good, by the way. They're very talented. It was fun. Good music of the day. So, appreciate Congressman Kelly coming on board. And and honestly, I think I agree with him. The, the greatest benefit we get out of control is stopping more radicalism. Still fairly limited, but appropriations and spending and the and the power of the purse rests with the House. In the House, I think Kevin McCarthy intends to uh, get this issue of the debt on the table next time we run out of money and have to increase the debt ceiling as we just do as a matter of routine. I think that he intends to get it on the table for serious discussion. And I also agree with the congressman, as we've discussed many, many, many times on this program, that 70% of spending is mandatory on autopilot. never gets voted on. Essentially can't touch it without having control of the House and 60 votes in the Senate. But you could use as leverage raising the debt ceiling, the alternative being shutting down the government, To have a serious conversation about it and what Senator Ron Johnson and Rick Scott have proposed is, let's take it off autopilot because we're never going to address it. We're just going to keep incrementing our debt and pushing those programs deeper into insolvency. Yeah, it's time to have a conversation about that and muster up all the brains you can find to devise a solution. A fair solution. But right now, all we get is the politicization of these issues, with Biden saying, we we played the tape yesterday, right, from Fetterman, during Dr. Oz's closing remarks, you want to cut Social Security! So if, if you make any attempt to try to preserve it, it's construed by the left as you're cutting it. You want to kill it, get rid of it you got Joe Biden out there saying, it's off the table, I'm not doing that. So you just let it go further into the tank so that it's just not there. It crashes under its own weight. And they just don't seem to get that. So yesterday, (laughs) this was bizarre. I don't know what prompted this. He goes to the nation in the middle of the day, which is generally when he does speak, doesn't do it at prime time. And he announces that the, once again, the, the agency bureaucratic complex, which really runs this country, not the, not the Congress or the President, it's the agency complex, as ordered and directed, often by the President, but often on their own volition. Remember not too long ago the Supreme Court case, the EPA, West Virginia, and the, the Supreme Court said, nope, that's not in the law. You're overreaching here, EPA. Well, that's what this is. So, it's just unbelievable that he would decide just randomly, we're going after these junk fees. Says, academic research and agency experience suggest the following fees and fee practices fall within this category. Mandatory fees that often hide the full price, surprise fees that consumers learn exploitative or predatory fees, fraudulent fees. So... I thought fraud was illegal. I did too. I mean, I I don't know what he's talking about exactly. But here's what he had to say about so-called airline junk fees. Decision.
3: Some airlines, if you want six more inches between you and the seat in front, you pay more money. Okay. But you don't know it until... You purchase your ticket. Look, folks, these are junk fees. They're unfair, and they hit marginalized Americans, the hardest, especially low-income folks and people of color. They benefit big corporations, not consumers.
1: Will you explain to me how low-income people and people of color are more impacted? Is like space measured differently based on your race and your socioeconomic level? How does that work? How how does that discriminate mostly against people of color. The fees you pay to get more space on an airplane.
2: How many low-income people are flying? I don't room? know. I, the, the issue ought to be, how do we get... I don't think I'm technically low-income, but I haven't
1: flown in over a decade. It's expensive. Yeah. Brutally expensive. And And, gosh, I've made hundreds of commercial flight reservations. It's pretty clear when you look. There are different categories of seating different classes, and they have different prices attached to them. And there's sometimes you can get the lower class and upgrade to the upper class. I mean, it's complicated, but it's their revenue model. That actually
2: happened the very first time I ever flew. I'm sitting there at the airport, and I hear my name over the announcement. I'm going, oh, what did I do? Did I, did I pack something I wasn't supposed to pack? What, am I in trouble? So I walk up there kind of sheepishly to the thing, and, one of the chaperones because that's how young I was I was on a trip chaperones notices what's happening and comes up there with me to kind of guide me I'm like I'm I'm here what's what's the problem oh the uh, the lady sitting next to you has a child and uh, she wants that seat so we're going to bump you up to first class there you go first time I ever
1: flew flew first class uh, that's awesome and that's at their discretion so they won't make you go down but they'll no. they'll make you they can uh, elect to push you up without additional fees so he says that bank overdraft and non-sufficient fund fees accounted for an estimated fifteen billion dollars for revenue in banks in 2019. Okay, don't OD. You you don't have a problem. I mean, it's just another situation where do you well, want? to... What the, was the world like before overdraft fees? I don't know that. I can't remember if there was one. I mean, I'd have to think back. It's been a while. It's a for some banks, it's a key source of income. There's There's no generally doubt. didn't they
2: come around when the idea of a, of a debit card, ATM debit card came around? You didn't generally have many overdraft fees in the era of checking. You just wrote a check and if it didn't clear it bounced and you've got in trouble.
1: Yeah, I think you you certainly were usually subject to fees charged by uh, A the merchant, fee. yeah, if they could, yeah, there was. I mean, there was, was called NSF fees, non-sufficient fund fees. I think that was around even pre-debit cards. I remember automating banks back in the in the late '80s and early '90s and building that into those systems. But there there are also all kinds of systems and tools available from commercial banks these days where you can attach certain accounts to cover overdraft lines of credit, small lines of credit, etc. Or if you keep a certain balance, they'll waive the fee. I mean, it, it's let the market work. It doesn't. There's all kinds of creativity. And you see banks compete on that, right? Hey, no, no overdraft fees here. See that all the time. That's the way it's supposed to work. Let the market work. And every time they inject themselves, talking about government, into an industry like this, they just screw it up and make it worse every single time. Think about your own business. Yeah, from the 601 back in the day, both the merchant and the bank hit you. That's what I remember, yeah. And that that virtually has been eliminated, if you think, at the point of sale, right? Uh, Been eliminated. Heck, how many people even, I mean, the overdrafts you have today generally uh, are on accounts that would allow it because you have some backup. Otherwise, when you present your form of payment electronically, heck, not many people even take checks anymore, right? That's right. pretty much been eliminated because of the ubiquitous nature of debit credit cards. But, but debit cards, you present that, and I mean, instantly, it's approved. I remember in the old days, they have to go back and call, hey, they got enough money to pay for this? Because didn't have all the technology.
2: Yeah, and most of the time nowadays, even if they do accept checks, they're doing it digitally, where they're basically scanning that's all the right. numbers on the bottom of the check and doing it just like a debit, just without the
1: card. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's it's hard for me to believe it's a 15 billion dollar industry. I got to believe it's shrinking. But you know, as far as the consumers are concerned, there's there's ways of dealing with that. And first way is just don't write a bad check. It does cost money to handle it, despite what the goofy president thinks. There are costs associated with that. One of the things I've learned from my
2: dad is lack of planning on your part does
1: not constitute an emergency on my part. Very true. Overdraft fee will make you not overdraft because you don't want to pay the fee. Says Bo in Indiana. I agree. It's just again, my issue here is that the government is inserting themselves in the market and and by, and. Uh, Also, that this does not address inflation. We're coming back from the Element Well Studios. Are
0: we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
1: Welcome back everyone, midday Super Talk, Mississippi. So while we got the president running around trying to control enterprise in this company, in this country, pardon me. We got Kamala. She seems to be totally oblivious to the issues that are top of folks' mind. Oh gosh, they just ought to not let her talk anymore, but seems like there's a certain object that she really has tremendous affection for. We got some sound on that? I think Rhino's looking for it. But um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's one of those things where can we just get her not to speak, not to talk? On the ceasefire text line, Carroll and Starkville Democrats work towards a one party communist style of government and destruction of America as it stands to welcome in a globalization plan and use any means to get their crime, open borders, use of cartel, lies, tax, economic crisis. Mo says, in the 70s and 80s, it could take five to seven days for a check to clear. The weekend before payday, we could write a check for spending cash, and we'd be able to to deposit our pay before the hot check hit the bank. It was like a no-interest payday law. Yeah, they call that float. You're right. Uh, Stuff is a lot faster now, a lot more instant now. You got Kamala? Here we go.
3: Your leadership, Mayor. Thank you for the warm welcome. So here's the thing. Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? Just there's something about the and and most of us, many of us, went to school on the yellow school bus, right? And it's part of it's part of our our experience growing up. It's part of a, you know a nostalgia and a memory of.
1: Oh yeah, that just makes you feel all. All warm and fuzzy inside, thinking about a yellow school bus.
2: Who why does, it? does Why does the vice president of the United States insist on talking to rooms
1: full of adults like they're fourth graders? I, I don't get that either. It's kind of hard to believe she was attorney general, right, in the great state of California. And prior to that, a DA, I think. Is that how she behaved and communicated in a court setting, you think? Because it's it's been pretty constant since she's certain. I mean, from the campaign all the way to now. I don't remember seeing her a great deal in the Senate, except when she was dressing down. I can't remember one of the justices, one of the candidates for Supreme Court justice. She she did have a scowl on her face then. But it's crazy. It's honestly. uh, So what she's talking about there uh, in the rest of that particular meeting was this big announcement about electric school buses. I mean, they're just, they're, right, there's some investment in those, delivering those, or funds being used to produce and deploy electric school buses. They're just giddy about this, ecstatic. Just tone deaf as to what's important to people. You've probably also seen, have you not, that we're like really, really tight on diesel oil supplies. 25 days? What do you think about that?
2: Kind of. That's a little misleading, and it's been spun to cause hysteria, but if I'm not mistaken, we generally hover between 25 and 35 days on hand, and that's been the way it's gone for years, as far as I can tell on the graph.
1: Okay. Well, there's been some attention called to it. I think the other big risk from an economic perspective is, there's once again, is there not talk of a rail strike they're still not totally settled on that and that's a possibility so uh, on the six part text line he just said the great state of california with a bunch of laughing emojis well i hear you california is a great state uh, all 50 states are great in my opinion and you got to remember california has 41 million people in it they're not all crazy Just imagine how great California could be. I mean, think about what emanated from California historically. I mean, it's incredible. And it's sad to see government destroy it. It is government. Bad government. San Francisco, fantastic city. And, of course, I'm talking 20 years ago when I used to go there a lot. And people I talk to now that go, I mean, it's just sad. Terrible. And there's people that are bolting, leaving in droves. San Francisco, it's ridiculously expensive, and there's homeless all over the place, and people are defecating on the streets. I mean, it's just drugs are rampant. It's terrible. And they've allowed it. They've enabled it. And it's sad. But you can't, you can't overlook. Things that were up so, all this technology that enabled that conversation that's where it came from. It came from people in California. You just can't deny that. And it's just sad that why can't we just have some logic and reasonableness to balance out the craziness out there? Have you ever been to the so called Inland Empire, Irvine, Anaheim, Orange County area? It's just incredible, man. It's incredible. Then you just travel a little bit into L.A. and you go, what happened? <laughs> I pray for California. We need California. I want them to get with it. We're coming back. Stay with us.
0: And now, and now. the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi, hour two of the program on this Friday eve. Joining us now in the Element Well Studios, Dr. Catherine Philippi, pediatrician with Trust Care. Uh, Dr. Philippi, thanks for coming in. so uh, we got some word that this RSV, is uh, really spreading, and you and I were just talking off the air, especially uh, amongst children. Yes. Said you're seeing a lot. Yes. Explain to everybody exactly what this is.
5: So RSV is respiratory syncytial virus, and it is a viral illness that causes upper respiratory congestion, runny nose, cough, sore throat. And in infants who have a more naive immune system and smaller airways, it can cause very significant respiratory distress in the form of wheezing or um, even respiratory failure. So um, we have seen a huge rise in that. And um, along with some other respiratory illnesses and like we were talking about earlier i think getting you know not only the ragweed is blooming the weather is changing people are getting colds that in you and i might just be an annoyance in an infant or a young child or a child with asthma if it's rsv would be very difficult to get over Hmm. So um, it's rapidly transmissible um, through respiratory droplets. And, you know, of course, children don't wash their hands great under four, I would say. And, um, you know, they rub their nose a lot if it's running. So you're transmitting it to surfaces. And in daycares, it can just Hmm. spread like wildfire.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you test for it to know that's what it is?
5: So similar to the COVID test, we've we've had RSV testing my whole career, um, but you you do a nasal swab and you have a rapid result in like five to 10 minutes.
1: What, what's different? Why why now, all of a sudden, this is a surge? Because this is happening across the country. Yes. This isn't unique, obviously, to Mississippi.
5: So definitely in the past, so RSV is typically seasonal, so we would say November to March is quote-unquote RSV season, okay. And so, but with COVID and with the social distancing and all of the masking, we did not see RSV in its typical form. So <laughs> we saw less overall, and it sporadically popped up throughout the different months with not a lot of rhyme or reason. Um, As we kind of relaxed our guidelines on COVID, we started to see more and actually in August, which is really unusual. We had a huge spike nationwide with a lot of hospitalizations. Um, The spike that is occurring now is looking very similar to that spike. So um, I don't really understand that. Um, I, I think people, you know, that are studying epidemiology and and how covid affected illnesses in general across the board especially respiratory illnesses are trying to put together the pieces and make it make sense.
1: What are the warning signs? How does one, let's say a parent of a child, uh, differentiate between that and just a common cold?
5: So definitely in a younger child, it can start with a creepy or barky cough. Um, the cough progressively gets worse, and you, ha- you can have um, a lot of respiratory congestion and wheezing is very common in infants. A bad runny nose, f- fever, all of those things are not um, uncommon with a cold but with RSV it tends to progress you know over a period of days to very severe in an infant um, within a few days we usually say RSV peaks on day seven which is late you know for a respiratory illness Um, and so once they come in with fever and we can identify that it is RSV, I'm able to say this is not just a common cold, so these are the warning signs to watch for. Hmm. And then you're better educated about what to do if it gets worse.
1: How do you treat it?
5: Well, that's that's the hard thing. Um, we use antihistamines to control the drip of the nose, um, suction, saline. Um, at times we will use Um, inhalers or albuterol treatments, which is just going to help if if you were an asthmatic, you would use that. So it's the same concept. It would open the airways and facilitate a better cough response because infants don't cough you know their secretions mm-hmm. up very well um, and it would help eliminate the wheezing part of the illness so not everyone needs a breathing treatment but for sure if your doctor listens to the child's chest and feels like they're wheezing and it's significant especially if it affects their oxygen level we'll often use breathing treatments mm. um, in the worst case scenarios we use steroids um If you can imagine keeping a snotty nose and and chest congestion for seven days and being very young, often we see secondary infections like ear infections, sinus infections, pneumonias. Um, And right now I think our ERs are swamped with both flu and RSV.
1: Mm. What about uh, ultimately having to check them in the hospital?
5: So definitely the oxygen level is the key. I think a lot of parents these days have, because of COVID and because of um, all the gadgets that new parents have these days, um, oxygen monitoring is not uncommon. Um, and there was a time where I thought that was not very necessary. But as we embarked on this COVID journey i think they've been super helpful with infants who either have COVID or rsv and Mm -hmm. so checking their oxygen level um, if they have distress i always tell parents if you could put your child in a glass box and you couldn't hear them because they can sound really bad really congested a really bad cough but if they're smiling and eating a puff or taking their bottle and smiling at you then they're not in distress. Okay. Um, if they look distressed, they're not eating well. They're they're looking anxious. They're leaning forward, breathing really hard. We we talk about abdominal breathing where their belly moves with each breath. Those are things that we would recommend you be seen for. And if it's at night and you can't get to your doctor, you go to the ER.
1: Hmm. Is the uh, the the gadgets that test oxygen levels? Is that something that could detect it and, or, or at least differentiate between that and a cold?
5: No, but if you have a positive diagnosis, it, it's a helpful tool um, to make sure all of us when we sleep, we don't control our airway quite as well. Um, and when you're sick, you, you will do that even less and infants for sure can drop their oxygen levels when they sleep at night when they have RSV. So um, many people have what's called an Owlet monitor um, which I laugh about because so many of my pediatrician friends and I did not encourage the use of that because there's a lot of anxiety that it can cause when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. But for this situation I think it has been helpful for my patients.
1: Right. Are there any? Uh, are there different strains, or is there kind of one, or does it matter?
5: So RSV is like a cold virus. There are lots of different strains, and our immunity does it wanes. So you can have RSV more than once a year, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and for kids who wheeze and who keep kind of chronic congestion from allergies or whatever, they're more prone to catch RSV. Okay,
1: I got you. Uh, are we seeing multiple strains in the state of Mississippi?
5: We don't test for the strains in the office, so I can't really speak educated about that. I would guess we are, just like we're seeing multiple strains of flu.
1: Is there concern that we have uh, flu season coming up? Yes. We're going to be inside more, more COVID spread, and
5: this. Yes. Yes. So the national news is talking about, you know, that those three illnesses together, especially in children, could cause a huge problem because our hospitals are not equipped for that, that degree. If you just have COVID, that's one thing. Yeah. But to have all three, it would be really devastating. Wow.
1: So you can have COVID and RSV yes. simultaneously? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's incredible um it, so is rsv like COVID in that where it really gets uh, uh progresses is when it infects and fills your lungs up
5: definitely and just like i said before like you know it, you and i have bigger airways so we tolerate congestion in our lungs better than an infant so yeah. for rsv COVID was more unpredictable for rsv most healthy adults do well with it okay but they go to the store and they go to work and they work at daycares and they have a little cough mm-hmm. and a runny nose and they spread it so, so it sounds
1: like it's really is a bigger a risk to younger people
5: yes definitely wow.
1: Is there anything parents or schools need to be aware of that they can um, sort of help to mitigate spread?
5: I definitely think identifying people quickly that are sick, that have fever, and getting them out of the general population. And then, of course, hand hand washing and hand sanitation, however you can do it. Um, and then, you know, if you're an older child and you can be taught to cough into your hand or your Not not into your hand. I said that wrong. Cough into your arm, and and not put your hands on your face. You gestured it correctly
1: for those (laughs) watching. So say it again.
5: So if you have a cough, and you can teach your child to cough into their arm instead of their hand, and to wash their hands frequently and keep their hands off their nose and their mouth, Mm. super helpful.
1: Well. Let's hope this settles down, because uh, I know we already have stress on the medical community. We don't need something else.
5: Yes. Thank
1: Dr. You. Catherine Philippi has been our guest. She's a pediatrician with Trust Care, talking about RSV. Thanks for coming on, doctor. Thank Appreciate you. It. Yep. Folks, we'll be right back. we got more to talk about from the Element Wealth Studios. Down, it's
3: time,
1: Wow, I'm watching the screen here in the Element Well Studios, scrolling by with Fetterman's policy positions, wants to eliminate the prison population by at least a third and set up safe heroin injection sites and unlimited abortion, Uh, no voting restrictions whatsoever, doesn't want uh, any rules and policies and requirements around voting, just show up and vote, whoever. Vote as much as you want, I guess. Uh, Sanctuary cities everywhere, including wants to make Pennsylvania a sanctuary state. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. Well, he wants that until they
2: start showing up.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what we've seen, right? Mm. So you were just telling me about PayPal. PayPal, of course, announced they were going to charge users $2,500 for misinformation. And then they came out and said, no, 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 that's a mistake. That's, that's not really what we're doing. So now I'm looking at the news. Yeah, they're, they're reinstating it. They're, it's back on the table, back in the system. What the heck's up with all that? What is misinformation? Who's the arbiter of the f- facts? And who determines when information is misinformation? I know who they want it to be. <laughs> The misinformation people, basically it's, it's anybody who says anything or any, any information that conflicts with their views. That's misinformation, right? Just whatever they say is the gospel, is the truth. It's not subject to debate, analysis, rebuttal, rebuke prove otherwise. I mean, you just go down the list, right? Unbelievable. Well, we'll see where all that goes. Incredible. Oh, geez. So on the C Spire text line, Mo says, RSV sounds a lot like the flu to me. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard. I, I think the point, though, uh, Dr. Philippi was making is it's a much bigger issue in children. I mean, I think she very eloquently described that mainly because of the size of the airwaves. We just deal with it. Adults deal with it better, which is why we're not really hearing about it as a a more critical, serious issue in the adult population. But uh she told me before she left, I don't think she minds saying that they had a line at the clinic yesterday, literally out the door, children to get in to see the doctor. And um that was still the case at 5 o'clock, 5.30, and we appreciate her. She stayed quite late into the evening, seeing the kids. Man, it's terrible. Uh, I, I hope this flushes through in a hurry. Hmm. Trey Invade says, is Venmo doing this? They own each other. Well, they don't <laughs> own each other, but no, Venmo is not. Uh, I believe PayPal does own Venmo. But Venmo is a little different in that it's more for Venmo user-to-user payments as opposed to PayPal, which is an an option in in payment in normal consumer-type transactions. You want to use your credit card, your direct bank account, your debit card, or PayPal. That's really how it started. It's kind of a secure way to to check out, make payments, and not put your credit card. I mean, that was really the idea yeah. behind that. was not Yeah, it was a trusted
2: your- third party that you, you trusted to give your banking information or credit card information to, and then they would pay
1: right. whoever you were trying to buy from online without revealing your information to the seller. So you had one party that had your information, that being PayPal, as opposed to every seller. Correct. With whom you transacted, where you had to key that information in uh, at checkout. That was the idea behind it. So, uh, anyhow, that's interesting. Paula Meridian says, I used Cash App also. Oh Owen Indianola says, RSV is real bad for kids. And that's exactly what Dr. Philippi, a pediatrician who treats children, that's what she said. Yeah. It's... Um, it's scary, and I, I hope that it's not. Um, it's over with, that it, we get through the wave. It really hurts to see children. I mean, it hurts to see anybody sick, children especially. They're so helpless, you know, about it. And it's just limit. When you're limited on what you can do, it's, it, it hurts. You were telling me, this is from Thomas and Greenwood. Yeah, Thomas, on the New York Post, <laughs> Rhino showed this to me before we came on the air. A uh, little Hakarooski going on, right? The New York Post's Twitter site.
2: Well, they got backend access to the New York Post website. and the website is automated to whenever there is a, an update with a new story or the headline gets updated or anything like that, it automatically sends out a tweet with that article, okay? Well, by gaining back-end access to their website, they were able to go in and change the headlines on articles that then would automatically send them out to their Twitter feed, (laughs) and the headlines are of a nature that we cannot repeat them
1: on the air. (laughs) Yeah, there's some interesting parodies, shall we say. One in particular on AOC, the same one you sent me, Thomas sent us as well from the New York Post, we must assassinate AOC for America. <laughs> Here's
2: one of the lighter ones from uh, the hacking of the New York Post. It's got a picture of Donald Trump looking surprised, and it says, I was bitten on the butt and nearly drowned by an angry sea turtle.
1: <laughs> Thomas says it's the 4chan organization that did the hacking. I would not be surprised. Yeah, it kind of looks like they're
2: worse. It's the same people that were... Taping loops of black construction paper to fax machines to send to the Church of Scientology. They yeah. love their hacking.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. Thomas sent us a series of the various uh, the various tweets from the hacker. You've probably seen. He also sent. You've probably seen these these uh, satirical Halloween costumes. They are pretty funny. I like that one you sent there, Thomas. Day Trader. So they're all in in like a plastic bag.
2: Yeah, it's the typical Spirit Halloween packaging.
1: Yeah, with the name of the costume, the character that the costume portrays. And this one is a Day Trader. It's got a photo of it, like a full-size. They all do a full-size photo of what it looks once one dons the costume. (laughs) And this is, uh, well, it's a McDonald's server. What It is in the McDonald's. (laughs) A <laughs> uh, uniform day trader. I like that. So Thomas also points out no cost to, in terms of NSF fees if you keep a sufficient balance. Uh, I do think a lot of banks have such a program where the NSF fees are levied based on your average daily balance over a period of time, I think over a month or something to that effect. But yeah, you're right. Gosh, my four-week-old was in the hospital for three days with RSV. It's nothing to mess around with. Appreciate that, that on the ceasefire tax line. With the immigration out of control, no telling what diseases and viruses we will have to face. Um, Jerry and Waynesboro, possibly. Uh, Jerry, I agree, and I think that's... I know the folks that aren't fans of vaccines probably don't want to hear this, but that's largely because most of these countries don't vaccinate for... Diseases that long since been eliminated in this country, uh, but with respect to RSV, which is what we're talking about, that's nothing new. It's been around. It's just interesting that we have this this uh, outbreak of it. It's pretty serious. Nancy and Brandon, I use PayPal, but not sure how you spread misinformation. That is a question that is that has come to light as well. It's a good question, Nancy. Um, And what, you know, if you read between the lines there, not even between the lines, but read further explanation, what they said was transactions or people that are using the platform that are engaged in, in activity that I guess is criminal or inappropriate, human trafficking, for example, drug deals, stuff like that. That's what they've said. Now... I don't know how they detect that. You know, I'm not sure what sort of technology they have to detect that. But I agree. I don't know what they mean by misinformation.
2: Well is it really think? their job to fine you if you were doing something illegal? No. Shouldn't they just hand that over to the authorities? Yes.
1: I'm not I'm not condoning it by any stretch. I think it's nuts and I think it's bad. Uh, but it is a private company and if you don't like it, don't use it. I just think it's a bad business decision on their part. That's what I would say. We haven't talked about it today, but we shall when we return, and that is we got economic news, the CPI data, oh pardon me, the GDP, GDP report out today. Also, this is a big week for earnings from big tech in particular. Apple, Amazon out after the bell today. We've, we've already got the reports from Meta, Google. And uh, who's the other? Microsoft. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Attention, adoring fans!
2: It's
0: time for Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: and back, Midday, Super Talk, Mississippi. I seem to have a problem getting cloned rather frequently on uh, on Facebook. Thomas just told me, he sent me a, a photo. That's like three times this week. People are bored, I guess, huh, go do stuff like that.
2: Nothing better to do with their time.
1: Yeah, so they clone you. Different than hacking. Hacking is what happened in the New York Post. That's when an intruder uh, engages in um, malfeasance, honestly, and they are able to compromise the account. Like you said, in this case, they were able to penetrate the, uh, the back office systems, which drive the tweets and and seize control over that. That's hacking. Cloning on Facebook, really not hacking. It's innocuous. It's just annoying more than anything, when you got to worry is when you start seeing posts and comments show up that you didn't make. That's hacking. Somebody's then, at that point, compromised your account and you need to go change your password. But the cloning, they just scrape the photos and stuff from your site and go create new accounts and you can report that. Generally speaking, the, the bots, the algorithms will take those down. Once, once they do their little, it's all automated, back office, uh, automated AI-based investigation to see, yeah, that's fake, and they'll take it down. But anyhow, we, I, I told you we talked a little bit about, as Thomas said, he would report it for me. Appreciate that, Thomas. Um, man, on the economic front, so we got the GDP. It was slightly better than expected. Two-tenths of a point, I believe, the data this morning. But this has been a big week for earnings, and the tech titans have been slaughtered. (laughs) Meta, Facebook, the parent company, the latest uh, to to get the boot from the market. And wow, their stock fell 24% on the news after hours. Yesterday, and that it is now at the lowest level since 2016. Morgan Stanley, Cowan, Keybank, other major investment firms downgraded said that the biggest issue is folks are cutting back on advertising on these platforms this is how they make their money and Zuckerberg, I think, took his eye off the ball and started getting into. The metaverse and all the virtual reality stuff, which just nobody can figure out how to monetize that. He says uh, he expects the company's issues to persist as Meta continues to increase spending to build out its artificial intelligence capabilities. So he's kind of bet the farm on that. The other thing he said, I read the the uh, remarks, the analyst report. So these public companies. Uh, They conduct conference calls on a quarterly basis. Analysts, shareholders, board, etc. All tune in. And uh, generally speaking, the presenters are the CEO, the CFO, COO. And anyhow, he said, he likes their trajectory. Huh? It's like down like 50% or something in the year. He likes it. Likes what? I, I didn't get that, honestly. I thought that was a misstatement at a minimum. So... Today, though, it's Apple and Amazon after the bell we shall see. I kind of feel like they're going to align with the others who reported this week. Microsoft missed on its Azure revenue. It beat on top-line revenue and and, uh, earnings, but it missed on its Azure Intelligent Cloud services, which is thought to be really the driver of its growth and profitability and future growth, future profits. So they got pounded. Now we got Meta getting pounded. Google missed top and bottom line. Said decreased demand. Again, for advertising. Their primary source of revenue. So they missed. They got beat up. So today, after the belts, Apple and Amazon. So all the tech stocks really taking it on the chin. The staples and commodities, so forth, on the Dow are, are doing okay. The Dow up 300 points today. So it's kind of a mixed market, mixed bag, mixed picture. I think the market's already baked in the 75 basis point hike. That's, that's coming in November. What they do after that, who knows? But this is what I think we're going to start seeing, especially as we wind down 2022 and transition into 2023. Layoffs. Seagate, giant storage manufacturer, the Bay Area. They announced they're laying off 3,000. They announced that today. 3,000. Phillips, you know who those guys are, big conglomerate, electronics, and, gosh, they make light bulbs, components, lots of stuff. They announced, that they're a, a Netherlands-based company, I believe, they announced they're going to let go of 4,000 amid a, quote, worsening macroeconomic environment. Wow. Seagate, Phillips, Vacasa, Philadelphia-based delivery startup GoPuff, Microsoft. So you're, you're. I think you're going to see more of this. Now, you just heard on our air, and it's somewhat localized and it's somewhat it's somewhat unique to various industries. You just heard on our air, Auditor White interviewed this morning at Hobnob was saying, that, and I hear the same thing, that businesses in Mississippi, based on the industrial makeup and the business in which they operate, still looking for people. But also keep in mind, normally we're a laggard in, in these kinds of macroeconomic events. And so it, it wouldn't be surprising that we're a few months behind what we're seeing in other parts of the country and in other industries. And it may or may not happen. We're, we've are we been somewhat insulated from it just because of we're not necessarily a manufacturer, don't have a lot of um, a concentration of manufacturers in certain industries that are very vulnerable, let's put it that way. I am concerned about the furniture industry. We do have a large, obviously, an, an agribusiness economy. Still, what, over 30 percent, I think, of our state's GDP. Um, it's fairly invulnerable to economic conditions, but the costs are high, and the, and the farmers are struggling to absorb those costs and produce a profit. So anyhow, that's it's kind of a mixed bag of uh, what's going on out there in the economy. But don't worry, Rhino, because Joe Biden is going to cut those bank overdraft fees, and no hidden... uplifts to get a seat with more room on an airplane. Don't you feel better about that? Oh yeah, that's really gonna do the job. (laughs) Just Unbelievable. looks like
2: there's an update on the, uh, the New York Post
1: hack. Okay.
2: It might not have actually been a hack and 4chan might have been taking credit for something they had nothing to do with. Ah. Because now they are saying the New York Post's investigation indicates that the unauthorized conduct was committed by an employee. Ah and we are taking appropriate action.
1: Well, and that's the worst kind, because that's, uh, that, those are the hardest things to pre- prevent. You know I mean, especially if you've got collusion, which you normally do. But if it's an internal person that has credentials, right, into the IT systems, because they need it to do their job, it used to keep me up at night. Now, thank God, fortunate, I was blessed, never had anybody like that. And it's especially a concern when you're responsible for the data and the systems of others, of other companies. Always worry about that. And uh, so thankful we never uh, had that issue. We did, I will say, there's a major company in in Mississippi that we hosted email for. This was 15 years or so ago. I'm not going to name the company. Just Suffice it to say, it's a major company with a lot of employees. And they had that problem where they had a couple of... um, Employees internal that were misusing and abusing the company email system, and I had to go meet with the CEO about it. And we ended up being subpoenaed to produce all kinds of records in our systems to help them get to the bottom of that. I mean, it just you do your best, right, to hire honest employees, and you can do all the background checking and and uh, fact finding into their history, but you, you just don't bat a thousand. It's hard, and it's sad to see that. so but that's interesting. And that actually makes more sense, honestly. because a sophisticated company like that probably got pretty good systems Does' not mean they're totally invulnerable to um, some sort of intrusion. Uh, but it's it's less likely to happen, you know with a company like that more likely that it's an internal job. That is totally fascinating. Anyhow, that's just a little update on what's going on. William in Greenville says, you see what the airlines are saying. I assume, William, you're talking about in response to Joe Biden's elimination of junk fees. I have not We're taking a break right here. i go see what I can find out about it. And uh, you, you may want to update me as well. Thanks. We're coming right back in the Element Wealth Studio.
0: Come on. Come on. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. All right. We are back. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. So and we got some tickets to give away, too, uh, later on today. So once again, Biden says that extra leg room on airplanes is racist. All right. So just reading through this, Rhino, what is he talking about with respect to junk fees on concerts? What is that? Concerts.
2: Concerts and sporting events, when you buy tickets, the the price of the ticket is not the final price. You usually have a transaction fee or a service fee.
1: Oh, okay. Just can't do that anymore. They're, yeah. te- they're telling the private sector can't do that. You think people care about that? That's like a big deal?
2: I mean, it may be an annoyance, but it's not an annoyance that rises to the level of government intervention. It's just going to cause more problems.
1: Right. So... What's the difference between that? Serious question. Why don't Joe just go down to the grocery store, since that's where people are really feeling the pain of inflation? That and the gas pump. Just go in there and just change prices on everything. What's different? There's not. Don't worry about it if it causes the grocer to go out of business. And I'm not saying this is going to cause airlines or banks or concert producers to go out of business, but they'll figure out some other way. Until the government comes in and shuts that down. To the point where they all say, Uncle, we can't make it anymore. and The government just sweeps in and fills the vacuum and takes over the whole economy. It's kind of what happened in, oh, I don't know, Venezuela. What's the inflation rate down there? About 3,000 percent? Yeah, wheelbarrow
2: bills to a dollar. Right. You showed me that yesterday. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It it sounds to me like he's just against convenience fees. Because you don't have to go to Ticketmaster to buy a ticket. You can go to the box office and not pay the service fee. Right. You don't have to
1: write bad checks. You don't have to fly on airplanes. A lot of things you don't have to do. You don't have to change Internet service providers. It's just unbelievable. It's another situation where these people aren't breaking the law. And they're trying to make what they do unlawful. And I, I argue that it's just the market at work. But again, you've got a government, the highest elected person in the government in this country, attacking private the private sector. No wonder. But yet but yet he says he's got solutions for inflation. Well, if you're in the private sector, As I've shared so many times, it's faith, confidence, and certainty that drives investment, hiring expansion. The only cure right now for this crushing inflation is to increase supply, boost supply, produce more. And who out there among companies that produce the goods and services that we consume is interested in doing that when you got a government where you have no faith, confidence, and certainty. You don't know what they got next, what's up their sleeve. And so you kind of hunker down. You you go into a defensive posture, not into offensive expansion, produce more mode. I still say, just like in our discussion with Congressman Trent Kelly, and it won't happen, if he would go before the world today and say, we're calling off the dogs on the Fossil fuels industry. Do that today. Inflation would be a thing of the past in short order. I really do believe that. I think the oil companies would take advantage of that to go produce more. We already saw it under Donald Trump. They'd go produce more. That would drive the cost down. That would drive the cost of inputs. By the way, have you guys ever looked at everything that is, is uh, produced or uses fossil fuels in its production. I found of all places a list of those produced by um, a government agency, the U.S. Department of Energy. You ever seen that list before? It is incredible. I had no idea. But if we're going to totally kill, totally kill fossil fuels. You know that things like hearing aids, remember the big announcement a couple weeks ago, you can get hearing aids, that's going to drive the cost down What without a prescription or over the counter, I think. Isn't that right? Yeah. Okay, well, well, you won't be able to make them and take advantage of that new policy if you get rid of fossil fuels, because right now hearing aids have some component of fossil fuels in their production. Things like luggage, motorcycle helmets, nail polish insulation, rope, filters, packaging, paintbrushes, paint rollers, surfboards, swimming pools, telephones, skateboards, skis. How about this? Diapers. Dishwashing liquid. Dice. Drinking cups. Dyes. Tape. Blanket. Enamel. Paint. Eyeglasses. Fertilizers.
2: Pretty much anything that's not organic or metal. Yeah. It's called plastic.
1: Yeah. What was it in the graduates? Plastic. Right. Aspirin? How about that? Ballpoint pens, bandages, umbrellas, boats, cameras. We're coming right back. It's insane.
0: Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Back midday super talk, Mississippi rocking into hour three of the program on this Friday Eve. Thomas and Greenwood, what's the basis for early voting? CNN pundits being comforted by 700,000 early votes ahead of the debate in Pennsylvania is bothersome. Yeah, I think Pennsylvania is one of those states that has no excuse. Early voting is why. Yeah, I heard 600,000 a couple of days ago, so that doesn't surprise me. And That bothered me as well, Thomas, that a lot of votes were cast before the debate, and I do think that the debate uh, will influence.
3: You
2: heard
1: the latest on that, right? What's that?
2: So the Fetterman campaign came out and said they were unhappy with the way the teleprompter or the translator or whatever the heck he was using was working. Yep. So the company in charge of the debate came out and said, "Well, we gave him a chance to test it twice, and Fetterman only wanted to test it once." So then the Oz camp came out and said, "Well, I mean, if if Fetterman was unhappy with the way the debate went, we'll be happy to debate him again anywhere he wants."
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, if you saw photos, images from the uh, from the angle where you could see those two giant monitors, one on. Uh, raised just a few feet above where the moderators were sitting, and it was displaying the questions in text during the debate. I guess it was uh, voice recognition technology that was essentially listening to the questions and then transcribing that into text on on the monitors.
2: Yeah, it's so... And the Fetterman campaign complained that it was delayed and that was the reasoning for his stumbling.
1: Ah, okay. So again, we're we're just a preface. We're not mocking a man who is ill. Clearly, he's ill, and it's affected him. It's affected his his speech, his communication, his coherence, his mental lucidity, as strokes will do. And we wish him a full and speedy recovery. But it's a big dang risk to seat somebody like that in the U.S. Senate. Sorry, you've got to be able to communicate effectively, process information effectively and rapidly on the Senate floor. And, And sometimes in situations where you really need to be able to think on your feet in a hurry. You know, it's no different than you're going to play professional basketball. There's certain physical skills you must possess or... You ain't going to make it. And this idea that those who are being – show concerns about this guy being elected to the Senate are just inhumane and lack compassion, they're just wrong. It's not about that. I, I, I mean, I feel the compassion. I empathize, and I want the guy to be well. I don't want anybody to be sick. My most mortal enemies, for that matter – I don't think that's a a godly Christian thing to do, but that doesn't mean that we should just overlook that and dismiss that in talking about seating somebody in the U.S. Senate. No, that's not that's not fair to the people, honestly. But of course, all they freaking care about is somebody that will carry their flag into battle, and the, and at the top of that list is abortion. That's sick. It's demented, in my view, on the part of those voters who are willing to – essentially, they're the ones that are being inhumane, if you think about it, because they're leveraging a sick man for personal gain, personal benefit. That's inhumane. That's selfish, is what it is. But we shall see. I, too, anyhow, I share your concerns, Thomas, when I saw that as well. Uh, Again, after the debate, I heard 600,000. Chad from McGee says they have no choice at this point but to stay the course. I, I hear you, Chad, and I, I I worry about that as well. And, again, rather than going before the country, Joe Biden is saying, look, I'm calling off the dogs on the fossil fuels industry. We we need you. Please, produce more. Get the, get the price down. And, and do so by producing more. That's the way it works. It's a globally traded commodity. No, he comes out and says... We're going to get rid of the upcharges for more legroom on an airplane. See what we're doing for inflation? No, you're not. That's price fixing. That's central planning, socialism, big government, bureaucracy. Garbage. Just unbelievable. So, yeah, I think uh, Derek and Greenwood just reminded that this topsy-turvy Just seems like it's a a head-on-a-swivel situation with the Student Loan Forgiveness Program. It's in, it's out, it's in, it's out. As it stands right now, it's out. But the government, Biden and what's the uh, Education Secretary, Cordona, I think, Miguel Cordona, is advising people, Go ahead, the site's still there. We're going to get through these legal challenges, so... Step right up fill out all your information. We shared with you last week, I believe, that you're not required to prove your eligibility based on the income thresholds. Rather, they might do some random spot checking after they've forgiven your loan just to see that you do truly qualify. So I'm sure there won't be any fraud or abuse of the program given that bit of news. Nah, what's to worry about? If he will ban the upcharge on fries at McDonald's, I'm on board, says Derek <laughs> <and> Greenwood. <laughs> oh, man. They have no choice. Yeah, with Fetterman, they know he's a mess. Yeah, Chad from McGee just qualified. They have no choice to comment. I, I agree. But-, but I still say that these gubernatorial races, if if Lee Zeldin defeats Kathy Hochul in New York, whew, I can't even comprehend what's going to happen. I mean, how that changes things so dramatically. Do you think the Democrats will abandon these radical policies? This this racialization of everything? Now it's gender all over everything? Do you think that might happen? And climate change? And, and the climate change admonishment being spewed by John Kerry, does that just grind your gears or what? <laughs> really is ridiculous. By the way, speaking of the, the radical gender stuff, so I caught this from Microsoft. By the way, Microsoft's an incredibly run company, had a long and successful and mutually beneficial relationship with the company, and, and have some ex-employees, by the way, that work for Microsoft, that are great people. Anyhow, they, they've now taken the LGBTQIA plus community effort to a new level. They've got a new banner of pride, and this thing does it look like the the rainbow flag. It's got what? It doesn't each don't each one of those colors represent? Is that true? Is that what that how that works? The the LGBTQ flag. Yeah, every line on it is a different identity. Okay, so this one looks like uh, you know the old. Ink blot, not ink blot. What do you call them? Where you just drop paint on a spinning wheel, on a piece of paper on a spinning wheel, and you just make these just random kind of, I used to do that at the fair when I was a kid. Anyhow, that's... Fractals? What, I don't know what they call them, but some people may know the word I'm looking for. Uh, but, um, like, just spray and paint, just randomly. Spin art. Yeah. Maybe, though. But can you see that? That's the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Looks like they're going plaid from Spaceball. <laughs> right. They call that an emblem of unity. If I may, I'm going to read the genders. I have no idea. I can't even pronounce some of them. Abrosexual, Ace Flux, Agender, ambiamorous, Androgynous, Arochi, Aeroflux, aromantic, asexual, bigender, bisexual, demi fluid, demi gender, demi girl, demi gay, MLM slash Venetian, but it's V I N I C I A N. Venetian, gender fluid, gender flux, gender queer, gender questioning, gray sexual, intersex, lesbian, maverick, <laughs> neutrois, non binary, omnisexual, pangender, pansexual, polyamorous, polysexual, transgender, trigender, two-spirit, progress, pride, queer, and the obligatory unlabeled. So evidently, every one of these triangular pieces on this flag in the different colors, or some of them are in a chevron shape, I guess they represent one of those. Do you know anybody? like? Do you know anybody that's... Uh, let's see, let me pick one here. Arrow H E it's A R O A C E. Maybe it's Arrow Ace. You know anybody? No. What is that? How do we get here? <laughs> I can't figure it out. Tie dye Yeah, maybe that's what it is, Blaine and Jackson says. I can't remember, but it was like a piece of paper and it would spin around on a little platter and you just drop paint on it random. That's what the flag looks like. We're coming back from the Element Well Studios. We got tickets to give away to Brian Kilmeade. Stay with us.
0: And now the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Out. Now on to the real part. Dino-mite. on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios, middays. You guys probably heard on our news, but former Governor Haley Barber involved in a bit of an accident. Vehicle flipped, I think, up around Yazoo City, right? in his hometown, and seems to be in stable condition. I believe that was the latest report. Was trying to avoid a dog is what is the latest. Isn't that right, Rhino? Yeah,
2: it's... Uh from a couple hours ago is the latest update I saw, but he is, quote, stable and alert after having to be airlifted. Wow. Okay. Glad to hear that. Had also... Yesterday afternoon.
1: Yeah, the other thing, and you can find the, the full story on uh, Supertalk Mississippi, supertalk.fm uh, website, is this uh, very thorny issue with respect to parole of uh, Mr. Bell, right? The decision there... Frederick Bell who committed murder uh, was initially the parole board voted to grant him parole a few weeks ago didn't hear a lot about it after that but then there was an announcement it would be reconsidered and taken up and apparently they reversed that decision and of course that essentially keeps him locked up for two more years right till they reconsider or he's up for consideration for parole again and I know the family, is uh, is happy about that. And there's no question that the people who need to have a say in that are the victim's family, no doubt. So uh, anyhow, I think that's uh, good news from the parole board, honestly, here in the state of Mississippi. We got a session coming up right around the corner, hard to believe, hobnob going on this morning, the Gallo Show down there, Russ Latino filled in. Had all the uh, the movers and shakers, as Gallo likes to say, and uh, had them on the program. You've probably heard a little bit of uh, a little, some excerpts of uh, those discussions. Numerous of them spoke as well. I think the governor kicked it off at B. Um Yeah, so they were down there at the Coliseum this year, right? I believe it's where they did it. And sometimes, uh, I want to say in the past, they've done it not too long ago. Um, the Mississippi Economic Council has done it in the trademark. I know I did the show down there, but I want to say that was in the spring, maybe. Different event. wasn't? I don't think it was hopped But nonetheless, it's hard to believe it's right around the corner. So between now and then, we've got midterm elections, federal elections, and then... Uh, then we'll launch right into the legislative session here in the state of Mississippi and are we going to have fun with this next year or not we got statewide elections by the way the to register to file to run for office got to do that by february the 1st used to be march the 1st and that was changed so that is now february the 1st so you've gotta think that between now and then we're gonna learn a whole lot about who's in and who's not and what for, right? I'm not sure what to think at this point. Haven't it's a heard. little early, but yeah. Yeah. Haven't heard a lot. I I've not heard anything with respect to the start at the top, anyone challenging the governor. I think there was some buzz that Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, might throw in, but nothing definitive on that. Right. Then we got the lieutenant governor Delbert Hoseman, who I believe intends to run. I think we—I think I even asked him that at the Neshoba County Fair. But in, and of course, he's been uh, on Super Talk since then. There is uh, certainly a lot of rumor going on that Senator Chris McDaniel is going to file to run for lieutenant governor. And in fact, there is a Facebook site draft Chris McDaniel for lieutenant governor that I think was put together by. Some of his supporters, he's been making the rounds, speaking, not necessarily speaking as a candidate for lieutenant governor, but just getting out there quite a bit. The lieutenant governor has somewhat as well. Michael Watson's been the secretary of state, been very active, I've noticed, traversing the state, meeting with various groups and speaking. And he's also been meeting with the folks that he works with in the secretary of state, those uh, involved in overseeing elections at the county level. So, it should be interesting. I, I think um, Auditor Shad White intends to to uh, seek re-election as the auditor. Attorney General Lynn Fitch, sorry, I didn't mean to leave her out there in the, in the, um, the pecking order, but I think she intends to run for Attorney General again. Treasurer David McRae. I do think uh, Insurance Commissioner Mike Cheney has announced that he is running for re-election as the insurance commissioner. So I think I covered all the statewide, right, I leave anybody out, got the governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, attorney general, treasurer, auditor, insurance commissioner, and then you got those that uh, are elected uh, in the three districts, north, south, and central, as transportation commissioner, and then public service commissioner. I don't know that I've heard a lot on those fronts. I've heard rumors of interest from Transportation Commissioner of the Northern District, uh, pardon me, Public Service Commissioner, Public Service Commissioner, Brandon Presley, that he may have some aspirations for higher office. Not sure if he intends to do that this cycle or not. Uh, I do think Transportation Commissioner of the Northern District, John Caldwell, intends to run for re-election for his seat. In the Central District, district you've got Brent Bailey, Public Service Commissioner, Willie Simmons, Transportation. I think they both attend to run again, as far as I know. So it should be interesting. Dane Maxwell, of course, Public Service Commissioner in the uh, Southern District. And uh, let's see, it's, it's Tom King, right, is the uh, Transportation Commissioner. I haven't heard anything on that, uh, what his intentions are. So interesting how all this stuff kind of, yeah, Tom is in his third term, Southern District. As far as I know, I haven't heard anything to the counter, they all intend to seek reelection. And then, of course, every member of the House, every member of the Senate is up. We have redistricting. Yeah, pardon me, Andy Gibson. Thank you so much for telling me that. I knew I was missing some somebody, missing somebody at the statewide level, agricultural and commerce commissioner. Thank you, and my bad, and my apologies to Commissioner Gibson. I was trying to recall all that from memory, and I, I missed. No disrespect intended whatsoever to the commissioner, but uh, right, I suspect he intends to, to run as well, uh, for his seat. He just got. Of course, through with uh, the fair—that's a big event. As far as I know, that went off without a hitch. You think it was well attended? It was safe, and he told us he was going to make it safe, make sure it was, and that was good to see. Glad to hear. Weather was good for that as well. So I think uh, I think we covered them all. But it's hard to believe that is right around the corner. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Any plans to give it a go in 23, Gerard, at this point? Gerard is not a candidate for any seat in 23. Does it mean that there might not be a time and place where I just go crazy and suit up? You never know. All I can do is lose. I'll be fine. I don't need political office. I'm not a product of politics and the political realm. But, you know, is there a place for someone with a business career? I happen to think there is. I think, you know, I'm on, the, I'm in the camp, naturally, that believes government should be operated more like a business. Certainly our federal government isn't, because I don't know too many businesses that can produce trillion-dollar deficits year after year and stay in business, right? But private businesses don't have the luxury of just turning on the old printing presses, do they?
2: No, if you do that, you go to jail.
1: Ah, okay, but the government can do that. And guess who pays? Me and you at the gas pump, the grocery store. But Joe's got it. No junk fees on concert tickets. Whew, man, I feel better now. <laughs> Unbelievable. It really is pretty simple, though. The, the idea is to boost supply. Just boost supply. Pro-growth, pro-supply-side economic policies. They don't exist They do not exist in the Democrat agenda bag. They're not in the portfolio. Nope. Price fixing and helicopter money. That's all they know. So think about this, folks. The exact same policies that produce this inflation are what they're doing more of. You don't think that there's going to be some reaction from... The industries that are now being told you can't charge these fees, which are all built into their economic models, they'll find something else. Just make pass that on to those who aren't writing bad checks. That's what'll happen. Those who are buying the cheap seats on the airplanes. That's what'll happen. It's just unbelievable how they think about that. When we come back, rhino has got an interesting video to play for us that is... About as racist as it gets, but it's not what you think. We're coming right back. Yeah, right on.
0: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. (laughs) On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We're in the Element Well Studios. We got some tickets to give away. Brian Kilmeade is coming to the uh, Brandon City Hall here on November the 11th, I believe. Brian will get that in the next segment. David in Indianola says, "If Biden wants to cut something, he should cut off pay for life. Congress and presidents get after their term ends or they retire. How much would that save us?" That's not true, David. Uh, the president. I believe does receive, if I'm not mistaken, Rhino, some post office compensation. Members of Congress do not. They do have a pension. It is not what people think. I've shared that before on the air. Uh, you have to serve 10 years just to vest in the congressional pet pension. That means if you're a member of the House, you got to get elected five times just to qualify. And if you retired with 10 years... Uh, it's it's about fifteen grand a year. It's not that much. That by law, uh, congressional pensions cannot exceed eighty percent. Maybe it's eighty five. It's either eighty or eighty five percent of their pay, and that takes uh, the number escapes me. Uh, it, like Grassley would qualify for it at age 92 or something, it's like 40 something years of service, a bunch, to get up to 85 percent. It's um, it's not as out of whack, even with the private sector, I think as is widely thought to be. So Yeah,
2: the president's pension is laid out in yeah. the uh, former Presidents Act from 5758 somewhere around there. Yeah. And it's been in place since then. It's it's made a few tweaks and changes, but basically as soon as a president leaves office and is not kicked out of office, they are eligible to receive a pension equal to is it cabinet secretary? It's basically oh. half of their salary while they're president. It's a little over $200,000 okay. compared to the 400,000 salary and 50,000 expenses. Okay.
1: Got gotcha. you. So, and by the way, members of Congress, they actually participate in the same program that all federal employees do. It's it's called the Federal Employees Retirement System, FERS. So all members, all those senators and, and representatives serving as members prior to 2003 may decline the coverage. After 2003, you cannot. It is mandatory, and you contribute to it. it it's much... It's very similar to the state pension system, honestly. Pers. So, uh, and it just provides an annuity upon retirement. Um, by the way, members of Congress are eligible for a pension at the age of sixty-two if they've completed at least five years of service. Fifty if they have twenty years of service, an age and uh, any age after twenty-five. So it's. It's not, and yeah, it's 80%. I thought it was 80 or 85. By law, the starting amount of a member's retirement annuity may not exceed 80% of his or her final salary. The average pension, this is, uh, by the way, directly from the FERS site, the average pension right now being paid is $75,528. So, and there are 300 Hmm, that's interesting. That are receiving, that were receiving an average pension of forty one thousand in twenty eighteen, three hundred and eighteen today seventy five thousand. So, it's uh, obviously it's a drop in the bucket. But I, I hear you. You know, I I would uh, I'd rather again the government focus on pro growth, pro supply policies. That's. How we get out of this inflation trap, that's how we soften the high price of everything that is killing us all, that we're all sick of. We need more supply, more growth. And they're just not inclined to do it, because that starts with the fossil fuels industry. So... uh, Thomas says, it's worth noting Pennsylvania has a Republican senator now. There's a reason Republicans are losing now. It isn't due to the lack of Republicans. It's due to somewhat invigorating Democrats in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I think in Pennsylvania, it's it, to a great extent, it's due to the fact that Oz is supported by and endorsed by Donald Trump. I think you look at that squishy middle independent voter base, they still have some degree of issues with that.
2: Which there was an independent running. What's that? There was an independent running in Pennsylvania polling at around three percent. Yeah. And then after the debate he tweeted out, well I'm polling at three percent which is a threat to
1: democracy. I'm dropping
2: out and putting my my full faith and backing behind Fetterman.
1: It's so ridiculous this threat to democracy garbage. Tom Carthage says that's a whole lot more than the post office pays at retirement. Well I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tom, the post office has a separate retirement plan. Don't think they participate in FERS. And also, you you would have to consider you, it, it's based on your pay and the amount you pay in. So the higher your pay is, the more you pay in, just like it is in PERS. It's based on your your highest four years of, of pay. That's how your benefits are computed because that is – Essentially, used to determine the amount you contribute to the program. So, uh, I, look, I'm not saying that we couldn't reform federal employment retire the federal employment retirement system. Certainly, everything should be on the table. Okay, Tom says, okay, we are first. Well, again, it's it's based on your pay uh, and the amount you pay in. That's that's how that's calculated. But anyhow. Um, Still, though, there is a limit on 80%. I remember doing the math on that. It does require even to get to the 80%. It's based on the formula that's used for members of Congress. It, it requires decades of service to get to 80% of the final pay. Um, just looking today the news on mortgages, 7%, highest since 2002. 20 years, 7.04%. That's where the average 30-year stands right now. First time in two decades, the average rate of a 30-year fixed exceeded 7%. Something else that just popped up is uh, Twitter shares may be suspended on the New York Stock Exchange. Not surprising, ahead of the Musk takeover.
2: Yeah, because he announced, if I'm not mistaken, he announced that he was going to take it private on Friday.
1: He's going to take it private? Yeah. Oh, Which wow. would make sense
2: why they would stop it from being private.
1: Oh, carried. what a mess that will be. I didn't know that. That's Sheet. what's being reported. Okay. Then yeah. again,
2: there's been conflicting reports about him saying whether or not he would or would not lay off 70% of the workforce. Wow. Or 75%, excuse me.
1: Yeah, of course. They made their demands, though, right? Oh, yeah. All right. You want to play our video? We got time? Here we go.
2: Yeah, this is uh, someone on TikTok talking about attending the film Wakanda Forever, the newest Black Panther Marvel movie that is coming out on November 11th. This is what she has to say.
5: This message is to all our would-be accomplices and white allies. This message is to all the white people who have BLM in their bio. If you really wanna prove to black people that you love us and you care about us and you are down for the cause, do not go see that movie opening weekend. You buy your ticket, you give it to a black person or a black family who can't afford to go. And then you go sit at that theater in front of the doors. You make sure that every black person in that theater can enjoy that movie in peace. You make sure that you use your body to block us from anybody who would be coming in that theater to do us harm, that is your job. You can go see it on another weekend. Go see it on the second or third weekend. But the first weekend—that's for us. To do anything other than this is anti-black.
1: <laughs> what do you say? It's just so—it's so out there, so radical. Uh, uh, also, from—I mean, the- let's
2: just let's workshop this here. <laughs> Say I'm going to take part in her asinine ideals, and I show up to the movie theater, and I buy a ticket, and I approach a random African-American family and say, here, here's tickets. You look like you can't afford them. Is that going to be a productive conversation? No. Okay. How about if you took her wording and changed the race?
1: Would that be kosher? No, it wouldn't work. You'd be excoriated. But that's championed. That's insane. Right. Agree. But uh, Let's call it what it is. It's racist. It's discrimination. It's racist. It's double standard. From, uh, also, from the, word, uh, the world of wokeness, this is, I think, a key issue in the midterms is stuff going on in our schools. LGBT teacher training at a Pennsylvania elementary school, teaching the teachers, requiring them all to attend these workshops so that they can then teach children in elementary school. Why do we got to do that? Why are they so insistent, so committed to indoctrinating and brainwashing kids with all this stuff? They'll figure it out. Leave it alone. Let them be kids. Teach them the basic academic skills they need to be a productive, self sufficient citizen that's what we want i saw this i just couldn't believe it all the pronoun crap for kids we're coming right back with some tickets to give away in the element well studios
0: you know what that means middays with gerard gibbert we'll do it live on super talk mississippi <laughs>
1: bumping us into this segment, Paint It Black. Rhino's is going to give away some tickets. Oh yeah, Fox
2: & Friends host and New York Times best-selling author Brian Kilmeade is bringing his well-known humor and commentary to the Magnolia State for one night. He's going to tackle some of the day's hottest mm-hmm. political topics and talk about his best-selling books. He'll be at the Brandon City Hall live on Saturday, November 12th. Tickets for the show are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. But... Now you've got a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Brian Kilmeade live. All you've got to do is be the 15th person to text into the C Spire text line. That's 601-879-4395. Be the 15th person to text in the phrase Fox and Friends. And you'll win a pair of tickets to see Brian Kilmeade at Brandon City Hall live
1: on Saturday, November 12th. There you go. So a little, little bit more, because uh, I misspoke a tad on the congressional pension stuff, and how I misspoke is that there's about, I said 300-something currently receiving benefits, and it's updating that. It's over 600 now receiving benefits, and about half of them are receiving benefits under the old civil service, CSRS, civil service retirement system. And it was in 1983 when that changed Uh, and converted over to FERS, the Federal Employees Retirement System, 1984. So prior to that, members of Congress just participated in the CSRS and did not participate and pay into Social Security. After that, in 1984, when the Federal Employees Retirement System was enacted, FERS, as it is called, the acronym, members of Congress contribute and uh, receive benefits from both FERS and Social Security, I did the math on Nancy Pelosi. If she were to retire today, okay, she's been in the she's been in the Congress, I think I did it right, thirty-five years is what I calculated. Thirty-five years. And her annual pay as a speaker is two hundred and twenty-three thousand. Now just to clarify, the annual pay for members of Congress is $174. But Speaker receives an uplift, two twenty-three She's been a speaker for uh, a number of years, of course. So anyhow, if you look at the way the formula works, and I won't go through all that, but I, I did it. She she gets some benefits from the old program and some from the new, based on her tenure. And if she retired today, she would receive one hundred and five thousand dollars. So if she makes two twenty three. She would receive one oh five. She were to retire today. If a if a member of Congress a member of Congress who receives the standard one seventy four four, if they worked in Congress, were a member of Congress, listen to this, twenty one years, they would receive a pension of sixty one thousand based on the, the present FERS program. Sixty one thousand for twenty one years of service. So that's almost a third a uh, little more than a third of what their present pay is at 174 4 just want to clarify that a bit. So the Fox & Friends deal, that ought to be pretty cool. Uh, having Brian Kilmeade in town, I think he would be pretty entertaining, I believe. Uh, let's see. How about we wait until the book comes out, says Gary and Meridian. What are we talking about there, uh, Gary? Not Not sure. Due to my line movie.
2: Because yeah. usually the book comes out before the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But to, Marvel movies are based on comics that have been going for years. So.
3: Hmm.
1: Tim and Jackson says he doesn't pay into Social Security due to his line of work. That's interesting, Tim. Do you, would you mind sharing what that is? Just curious. Yet in past years, our greedy government has tried to end that program and require us to pay. Yeah, because they want you to pay to support current benefits. It's a pay as you go system. That's how it works. I could probably survive on 101000 a year. Might have to eat a couple of cases of reminemals, <laughs> Gary Meridian says. Sarcasm about the book. Gotcha. Oh, he's in railroad. Yeah, there's special exemption there. You're right, Tim. Thanks for letting me know that. I was about to say that because that may be the last one, the last uh, industry railroad workers union, right, Tim? It's, it's a deal, I think, cut by the union where you've got your own pension and don't pay into Social Security. A central Bank dollar coin tracking all dollars, says uh, Donald in Oxford. Not sure what you're talking about. Oh, you're talking about the digital currency? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's coming. I, I mean, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. I think there's benefit and value to that. I, too, worry about government getting involved and having this information. But I don't know, Rhino. Let's be honest. Pretty much know everything now. We all got a digital footprint. It's pretty dang extensive. <laughs> they can tell where we are and what we're doing. Uh, I'm, I mean, almost to the minute of, of the day. I thought congressmen got their salary forever when they serve one term or 50. No, incorrect. That is absolutely false. That's on the ceasefire tax line. They participate in a pension program. And I just explained it to you. After 21 years, they'd get $61,000 as opposed to their pension, uh, pardon me, their uh, annual pay of $174.4. Anyhow, we're out of time here today, but we're going to be back in the Element Wealth Studios again tomorrow. Until then, stay safe and God bless everyone.
0: A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.